Hi, I'm Azita Ganizada. I play Rachel Prasad on Sci-Fi's Alphas, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Diner. Live long and Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is gonna get pretty interesting. Define interesting. The God of God, we're all gonna die. Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Strawberry flavor. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 107. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are recording live, well, live for us, not live for you. And uh, Miles is not with me in the room. Not this time. Not this time. It may not be for the next time, but we are going to see if we can make that happen again. It's just our schedules are just my schedule, really. It's my, it's my fault. My schedule's just whacked right now, so... It is what it is. And so we hope and pray that Skype will cooperate. Yes, and so far it's doing well. I'm hard-lined in, so hopefully that helps. But mm-hmm. So, Miles, how you been, how you been man? Uh, pretty good. Just, um, you know, um, still just working and um, still just uh, plowing through Stargate. Uh, but got also the latest, well, got the second novel in the Stargate uh, series, so I just started reading that recently. I'm enjoying that, too. Oh, very cool. And where are you at in Stargate? Um, I ju- I'm into season six. Ooh, wow. So you're moving along. Yep. All right. Did you see Ball yet? Yes, I, I've seen the episode when Ball was, uh, torturing, uh, Colonel O'Neill. Ooh, that's a great episode. That was a good one. That was a little hard to watch at times. <laughs> oh, no, it, it was. Man, that device that makes the light come out of their mouth and stuff. Ooh, that just creeps me out. Well, the whole idea of the gravity thing, you know, he's, he could pull, you know, just, I don't know the way he can manipulate gravity, but he could just like let go of the knife and, poof, you know, it, uh, hits its target. Oh, yeah. Hey, and uh, you know what? I took a break from Voyager. I was kind of working my way through some Harry Potter stuff, but, um, finished the third Harry Potter movie and I'm now back into Voyager. Just finished the, the two part episode of them with the Borg where the Borg come and recapture seven of nine and they go to get her back. They rescue her. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very good episode, especially toward the end. I thought the episode kind of drug in the middle, but at the end, I was on the treadmill watching this, of course, and I just couldn't stop watching. I was like, keep going, keep going. It was like that intense for me. So I've been really enjoying Voyager, still watching that as well as all the other shows that we'll talk about on a listener feedback episode, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But so that is very cool. And I, I, mean, I, I, I am in the middle of the fourth Harry Potter book right now. So that's kind of what I've been reading and what I've been uh, watching as far as that goes. Cool. Yeah. Well, Miles, we won a contest. We didn't win it. We are a finalist in a contest. That's exciting. Yeah, it's a it's a contest that takes place at Dragon Con, and each year about April, it comes out that you can you can submit your podcast to be in the drawing for the podcast awards. It's called the Parsecs. Uh, of course, getting their name from 
uh, the Kessel Run, right? And twelve parsecs. Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what that's from? The word parsec has been used in many sci-fi genres to describe, I guess, a um, measurement of distance or something in space. Yeah. So anyways, there are tons of different categories, everything from novel long form to short fiction to drama. And um, and we were nominated or we were put in for the best speculative fiction uh, fan or news podcast. And I think Kevin Batchelder is actually to blame for getting me into this whole thing. Uh, so what they, what they needed was like a 10 minute clip. Now, I don't know when we last recorded a 10 minute episode, Miles, but it, it could be a clip where we kind of introduce a podcast and segmented, you know, segments different areas of the show. So I think I did our episode with Larry Nemchek back in like episode 90 or something and did a little bit of the trivia, the news, the menu, and then we did the, some news and then I did Larry Nemchek talking. And that was a clip that, I guess got us into the finalists. So blame Larry, Larry Nemchek for that. So, or, or, or thank Larry, Larry yeah, for that. Well, yeah, definitely, I definitely thank him and thank Kevin Batchel for kind of pushing me out to do it. You know, the hardest thing was going through that episode and saying, "What do I put in? How do I narrow down an hour and a half episode down to ten minutes?" Oh, sure. So that was the hardest thing, and I don't know. Maybe I'll drop it into the feed or put it at the end of this episode. I know some people have asked. I had some podcasters ask, you know, what'd you do to to kind of get into this. Um, uh, tuning into sci-fi TV, by the way, also got nominated in the category of best speculative fiction fan or news podcast. So, um, and let me just run down through the contenders in their category and then the contenders in our category. So as we said, tuning into sci-fi, uh, got nominated for the best speculative fiction fan, uh, uh, fan or news podcast specific. We got nominated for general. So I'm not sure how they – I guess it's like specific would be like a Buffy podcast or something like that. And I guess because tuning into sci-fi TV focuses just on TV, that's why it was very specific. All right. So we cover – Go ahead. It, well, we cover everything. Yeah, and we do. We do cover everything. So um, – and they're up against, I think, the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast, the Pendant Backstage, Pod Culture, TARDIS Interruptus, which I guess is a Doctor Who podcast, This Week in Pendant. And uh, tuning into Sci-Fi TV are the five contenders in that category. Um, we got nominated for the best speculative fiction fan or news podcast general, all right, where we talk about kind of everything. Um, and I actually went and subscribed to the other podcasts because I just want to kind of hear what they're doing. If we're going to be in the same category, let's see what they sound like, right? And you'll hear some of the promos for two of these uh, later on in the show. But one was Geek Out with Mainframe, and you'll hear their promo a little bit later. And I haven't listened to any of these yet. Pod Culture, I've heard about, haven't listened to. The Sci-Fi Diner, who in the heck are those guys? Right. Yeah. Starship Sofa and What the Cast is the other promo I'm going to play. So yeah, so cool. we're finalists, and the 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 awards are the, the winners are announced at Dragon Con. So Miles, get your ticket. You have to go to Dragon Con now. Oh, right. oh okay. <laughs> yeah, no. See, it would be great if they actually paid your way to Dragon Con if you were a finalist. But no, I I uh, I, I told Kevin, I said, look, I'm not going to get there this year. But if you he offered to accept the award on our behalf, which I said that was very gracious, and I'll probably let him do that if we win. So that that's fine. Yeah, unless you're planning on going, Miles. Yeah, I don't think I can make it this year either. <laughs> it's kind of late for me. I mean, when I plan this stuff, I have to plan it months in advance, and you know that's only a month away, and thirty-three days and counting or something, depending when this airs. Sure. Yeah. 
But if you're going to DragonCon, you you know, pay attention to the Parsec Awards. Let us know whether we uh, win, where we place, if they do a ranking or anything like that. But it's very uh, it's honored anyways just to be considered to be a finalist out of all the podcasts that are out there to be considered a finalist in the Parsec Awards. It's pretty good. That's high praise. That is that that is one of the first awards I think that we've I've actually went for and won. So are been a finalist of I guess you should say so. Mm-hmm. By the way, we have a poll up on our site. Now, I realize that not everyone listening to this podcast may listen to the Sci-Fi Rewind, but we do have a poll up there for six movies that you can vote on for us to rewind and rewatch and discuss. And the six movies at this point are Enemy Mine, Equilibrium, Aliens, Terminator, Blade Runner, and there was one other one, 12 Monkeys. And right now, as of you have another week or two to actually vote, Right now, here's the way the vote stands. Terminator and 12 Monkeys are tied neck and neck in second place. Guess what the number one is, Miles? Wow. Um, I'm going to – I haven't checked the poll in a while. I'm going to throw out uh, Aliens. Not Aliens. Alien is actually dead last tied with Equilibrium. Um, then Blade Runner? Blade Runner is as, is winning by a narrow margin. Enemy of Mine is third place. Again, we have a tie for second. So if any of those movies you want to vote, I'll put the link to the uh, poll in the show notes. But it's also in our sidebar if you go to our page. And Tuning into Sci-Fi also has a page dedicated to that. Vote. We've, we've had a lot of people vote. And, you know, vote. Let us know. Um We've had 71 votes from, uh, so far. It'd be great if we get 100 votes in that. So, cool. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget that next week, or the, I guess two weeks from now, we're actually rewatching Stargate. The, yeah. The, the original movie. So I'm looking forward to actually watching that. I gotta make sure I watch yeah. it, but. Yeah. So very cool. On the menu tonight, we actually have an interview that we're doing tomorrow with Rachel Prasad. That's actually her act. That's actually her role's name from Alphas. Uh, her real name is Azita Ganazada. I think that's the way you pronounce it. And we'll be interviewing this beautiful young lady who has superpowers from the show called Alphas, which we know that some of you are watching. I know I'm watching. Miles, did you catch any episodes yet? I, I have not yet. I may watch the pilot. I'll try to watch some of the pilot before we talk to her. Well, the pilot's free or was free in iTunes. So Yeah, I still have it on my DVR. Yep, so it's well worth checking out. Um, so we have a trivia question. We actually were going to finish the trivia this week, but it looks like because of our schedules it won't be till next week. So you have a little bit more time for this trivia question that we'll be giving you in just a moment here. And it's a good prize with that one. Uh, we're going to talk about Walking Dead and the shakeup that happened with Walking Dead. How uh, how Damon Lindelof would reboot the Terminator franchise. We love Terminator, so interesting to hear that. We're going to find out uh, a never-before-seen Superman Returns $10 million opening. That was never before seen. Uh, Miles has his twist. And in the twist, we're going to talk about how Brett Spiner mangles well-known sci-fi facts. And whether he actually punked the crew doing it. Um, anything else in the twist, or was that about it in the twist? I think that's it. Um, there, I, I, there is one more thing I like to put in a twist. Um, um, there's an article in Subspace Communique about um, IDW's publishing and DC Comics team for a crossover comic with Star Trek and uh, Legion of Superheroes. Oh, good. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. That'll be yeah. fun. Um, and then in Sci-Fi 5 and 5, we're going to hear from Wayne and Dad giving us their Sci-Fi 5 and 5. I assume it's going to be Fringe-related. I would so, think. 
Yeah. So it should be it should be interesting. Yeah. So. All right. Well, Miles, why don't we move into our trivia question for this week? And we, our folks have about one week, uh, maybe a little bit less than a week, depending when this airs, to answer this. And why don't you tell us the prize first that they're going to be vying for? Um, the prize is a signed uh, Sally Kellerman print. Um, we, we had met her at Shore Leave, and it's, it's a picture of her when she was in the episode where no man has gone before. And it's, it's a very lovely print of her, but it also has a picture of her with a uh, much younger William Shatner, too. Absolutely. She's playing the role of Elizabeth Diener. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it's kind of cool. I didn't, you know, you get it signed by her and you take it somewhere else, get it signed by Shatner. That's a valuable prize. Oh, it's extremely valuable. So what trivia question do our listeners need to answer to get this print? Uh, they need to answer the question, what does Dollhouse have in common with The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions? And the answer? Not going to tell you. <laughs> Not going to tell me. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what. If you are a Star Trek fan and, and consider yourself in love with the original series, this is really a prize, a print that you would want. And even if you'd never watched Dollhouse and you never watched The Matrix, you could easily look that up on IMDb. Yeah, if you do a little homework, you'll be able to find the answer. Yeah. The only thing you do need to do is include the code word, and the code word is echo. Echo. So make sure that you include that in your answer. And we've only had a few people buy for this, so there's there's a good chance if you write in that you're going to be in the running for this. This is a great print to have for your collection. Yeah. Miles almost stole it away. But yes, but Scott prevented me. I did. I win. All right. Well, so that's the trivia. Make sure you send it to us. You can send it to us at uh, the answer to us at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can call it in at one 508 or you can, of course, DM us on Twitter. That's fine, too. Direct message us if you can. Um, just don't make it a general reply or everyone will. So. Oh, yeah. But, all right, well, let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is from the show, What the Cast. We've never had their promo on before, and this is a podcast that comes out of some guys from Dragon Con, and I'm playing it because they're kind of in the running for what we do, and I've never heard it, and I'm kind of interested, so I thought I'd play the promo and and kind of get familiar a little bit with them, because there's a lot of podcasts out there that, again, that I'm not familiar with, and if you have a podcast you're listening to, and you think, hey, this this podcast might have a promo that would be good for the show, good for us to play. Just let us know, and we'll try to contact him and get the promo played. So it's not a real big deal. So anyways, this is a promo for What the Cast. Hi, I'm Brian Richardson, host of What the Cast, the podcast that has a little something for everyone. We talk about current events. I'm in the opinion that Wikipedia should be a, a, a new wonder, the modern great library of Alexandria. It's like the library of Alexandria written on Etch-a-Sketches. People keep coming by and shaking them every once in a while. <laughs> Movies. Well, what's, what's your biggest problem with the movie? That Michael it's, uh, Bay! Okay, okay. No, no, no. The listen, island! Listen. Hot robot on robot action. Science fiction. See, the, actually, the first 30 minutes of that film really were a good story about about a boy and his secretly transforming car. So it's like Harlan Ellison's a boy and his dog, just without the dog exactly. and the Harlan Ellison. And every once in a while, math. Ask me how I rated the movie on a scale from 1 to 5. I said a 5. On a scale from 1 to 10, what would you rate it? I'd say about an 8. So you're not very good at this whole division and fraction no. thing. <laughs> Someone went to public schools. So join myself, Crispy, Stephen, and Patrick for What the Cast. Available at whatthecast.com.
And welcome back to the show tonight. We have, it's actually this afternoon when we're recording. This is a little bit unusual, Miles. It's throwing me off. It's a Sunday afternoon. What's going on here? I know, I know. Anyways, we have some TV news that we want to drop into your lap. And Miles, did you want to take this first piece of news? I'd love to. Scott and I are huge Walking Dead fans, and um, you may have heard the, the interview we did with Laurie Holden that we did at Farpoint. Well, AMC wants to assure us that uh, we need to stop worrying about the Walking Dead shakeup. Ever since uh, we learned Tuesday that uh, Frank Darabont, the creator and executive producer of AMC's Walking Dead, might not be back as a series showrunner, we started to worry. Could the show continue to be a success without Darabont? Zombie brains? Well, now that Glenn Mazar has taken over for Darabont, AMC wants us to know that it has everything under control. Here's the official statement the network just released on the matter. The Walking Dead's uh, Glenn Mazar, writer, executive producer, is expanding his responsibilities to assume the role of showrunner. AMC is grateful to, uh, to executive producer, writer, and pilot director Frank Darabont, whose contributions to the success of The Walking Dead are innumerable. We continue to discuss his ongoing role with the series. Uh, Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead graphic novels, executive producer and writer on the series, will remain in his role and continue to steward the brand. Uh, Gail Ann Hurd will uh, remain in her role as executive producer. The production continues on schedule for an October 16th premiere. So, does that make you feel any better? Yeah, I feel better. Yeah, I mean, you still have people that are involved with the series that kind of know the series that are part of it. I, I, I'm not too worried. I think when I heard this, I was like, okay, well, the, the you know, obviously the the forerunner to the show, the showrunner, obviously it's a huge impact to the show, and um, Laurie Holden spoke highly of working with him, and but this sounds like someone that's also intimately involved with the show. Yeah, so I'm still. I'm st- I'm still assured it's going to be a good good when it comes back uh, in October. Yep, and I think the important thing here is we actually have a premiere date, and that is October 16th is the premiere mm-hmm. date. And I don't know that we had that before. At least I didn't know that it was October 16th. I figured it was right around Halloween. So now yeah, we have, I, and now that we have, it's like two weeks before Halloween, so a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'll, I'll be glad when it comes back. Yeah, me too. Because you know it's a good show, and it. Kind of this post-apocalyptic zombie show, the story of survival, and I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing it back on the screen again. I really enjoyed it. Dark, but I enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. Well, on our next piece of news, um, we got some news on how Lost Damon uh, Lindelof would reboot the Terminator franchise. Now, if you listen to our podcast long enough, you know Miles uh, and I are huge Terminator fans. Uh, I'm, I'm right, Miles, right? Uh, you are correct in that. Yeah, both for the Sarah Connor Chronicles and the movies overall, including the last movie, which I personally loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're not sure – and here's the news story. We're not sure when the new Terminator movie will finally get off the ground because there's been rumors of it and onto the screen. But when it finally does, here's an idea. How about making it a comedy? At least that's a theory of David Lindelof came up with when asked by Wired for his ideas to freshen up the franchise. Yeah, his tongue was in cheek, but the post-hangover world, maybe it's not such a bad idea. Here's what he had to say. This whole dark, depressing, futuristic, apocalyptic things is played out. Enough with machines driving over human skulls. We need us some comedy. Look at those numbers for Bridesmaids and Hangover 2. Can you imagine the box office if these these movies had homicidal robots in them? And since we were evoking Arnold's work already, evoking is free, by the way, suck it, lawyers, why not combine Terminator with Schwarzenegger's greatest comedic work? That's right, Kindernarder Friggin' Cop. 
Buckle up, here comes the gold. Humans in the dystopian future learn that Terminators travel back in time and impregnate a woman, resulting in a half-cybernetic child that will grow up to be humankind's destroyer. But due to a technological ineptitude, we can't lock down the mother's identity, and thus the kids, narrowing their whereabouts to a school in a pleasant coastal town. And so our story begins as a gruff, futuristic badass with great comedic chops. We're screwed if The Rock says no. Representing the hopes of all humanity back in 2012 to identify the half-terminator five-year-old boy by substituting as a kindergarten teacher. And then, after a series of comedic misunderstandings, kill the little bastard. We're pretty sure we can get a PG-13 as long as no one smokes, and when the kid gets shot in the face, we do it in a classy way. Um, <clears throat> what do you think of that, Miles? Uh, that was very tongue-in-cheek statement. <laughs> I don't know what what you know what inspired him to say that, but uh, I'm going to be I, I'm going to be honest. It would ruin the Terminator franchise for me. Well, yeah, I don't I mean it is dark. It is post-apocalyptic and it's uh you know i i assume he was just seriously just joking around as far as making it more comedic i mean i mean some comedy is good i mean and there is there is comedy in some of the you know terminator movies yeah some of the scenes have it but but it is a serious you know topic i mean it's the end of the world and you know humans trying to you know survive and and the machine's trying to kill them all. So it's, um, you take that away and you, you kind of take away the essence of uh, Terminator. You know, and with shows like Falling Skies and Walking Dead, which are set kind of in this post-apocalyptic future, it doesn't, it doesn't seem all that far-fetched in that to say that Terminator wouldn't succeed being dark, you know, if they do it right. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil, yeah. go ahead. Oh, just, um, I mean, I guess there's still talks of a new Terminator movie, but not not continuing after the the, the last film, I guess. Yeah, I think it'll be a different take. Uh, apparently, Paul W.S. Anderson, who directed Resident Evil, uh, has a more serious take in this. And I'll put a link into this story. I won't read it, but that appeared in Wired. And so he's a little bit more serious take. And I'm not sure there's even a director mm-hmm. that's kind of tagged onto this future Terminator movie that's kind of in the works. I mean, we, we heard mm-hmm. we heard so many things about it. We heard, you know, reunite the old cast and do it. I mean, I don't know. Probably, yeah, so it's, it's yeah. Until they start filming and narrow down a director and a, a cast, I'm not sure we can really give you too much of anything here. Right. Yeah. Well, Miles, why don't you share about this never before seen Superman Returns ten million dollar opening? Yeah, I just saw this clip very recently and uh, saw it on Blaster. I know Superman Returns doesn't have a lot of love with the fans, um, and, I, and we, I, I talked about this before. It's it, it, this movie might have worked well if it was made, you know, back in the '80s because it still had the whole Richard Donner spirit to it. Uh, but it had a great opening scene, and I watched it uh, earlier today. So, thank you, Noah. Everything there is about Superman Returns. Apparently, director Brian Singer shot an alternate opening sequence for the 2006 film that's never seen the light of day, and now it's surfaced online. Before sticking with us with a title card, cast credits, and, and John Williams' famous score, Brian Singer had another intro in mind. He filmed a sequence where Superman was flying in a space, trying to find what was left of his home planet Krypton. The alternate version doesn't really add or take away from the final product, but it did cost a pretty penny to make, 
an estimated $10 million was spent on the scene, which is a lot of dough for roughly five minutes of screen time. It must be nice to be able to toss that kind of money to the wind. The following video is the missing piece of Superman puzzle that we've been hearing about so much about so much lately. It features Brandon uh, Routh and no dialogue, which shouldn't come as a surprise since he didn't speak much during the uh, film as a whole. And I put this on our Facebook page, and uh, listeners, I'd be curious to see what you think of this uh, clip. Right, right. So uh, what did you think of the clip? I didn't see it, so... Um, I don't think it helps or hurts the film, but I would have liked to have seen this in the movie. Um, maybe it helps a little bit. You kind of get an idea of what Superman is doing, why he left Earth. And uh, it's just a beautiful scene. Uh, it's it's vis- visually just impressive. I, I, I wish they would have kept it in. Yeah, well... Uh you know, maybe an extended director's cut someday, maybe? Right. I mean, I don't know if this is out on – well, it probably is out on Blu-ray, but maybe an extended deluxe Blu-ray or whatever. Yeah, or something like that. The ultimate mm-hmm. Superman collection. Right. So where you have to buy every single Superman one that was made. But <clears throat> I don't know. Well, Miles, why don't we head into the twist, and why don't you start with the story that kind of broke from Subspace Communique that you were sharing with me earlier? Sure. Um I want to thank Chris and Charity Wood for uh, posting this on on their site. So ITW Publishing and DC Comics team for a crossover comic, Star Trek uh, Legion of Superheroes. Uh, in its first ever crossover comic series with DC Comics, uh, IDW, the publishing company that cur- publishes the current Star Trek comic license, will team with Superman, Batman publisher to produce a unique comic series featuring the original crew of the Enterprise and the Legion of Superheroes, set in, the alter- set in an alternate universe uh, Kirk and his crew will beam down to the planet, only to discover that the planet isn't their intended destination or even the right universe. At the same time, a group of uh, a great darkness saga legionnaires inside of a time sphere find themselves cast into the 23rd century. But it's not the 23rd century as they know it, either. The new comic will see both teams pointing together to fight Klingons, uh, Kuns, Borg, and similar nasty and evil elements that, that the alternate universe can conjure. The egalitarian United Planets in one universe and United Federation Planets in another is now the Imperial Planets of Terra, a dark empire focused on war and conquest. And that's just the beginning of this series. Nothing like kicking off our first foray into DC Comics with a story that spans dimensions and centuries, said Chris uh, Ryle, IDW's uh, chief uh, creation of officer editor-in-chief and the lead editor on this crossover. As a huge fan of both these teams, and the areas we're playing with here, as well as an admirer of the talents involved in this tale, I couldn't be happier. What do you think of this, Miles? This looks interesting. I may just have to pick up the first comic and see. I mean, uh, I'm being very choosy about what comic books I buy these days, but that kind of piques my interest. Now, you said Legionnaires, right? Yes. Uh, I don't, that, I'm, not, it, I'm not familiar with Legionnaires at all. Okay, um... The Legion of Superheroes takes place, I believe, in the 30th century. It's a, it, 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 the, the, this genre has been around a while, uh, but um, Superman has made appearances in it, uh, maybe a few other superheroes. Uh, in this universe, um, there's a, Brainiac, there's a version of Brainiac that's one of the good guys. He's a, super, he's a superhero in this. So... Um, yeah. I mean, there's something weird about crossing a superhero universe into, like, Star Trek, which is non-superhero. It's just humans surviving and doing their thing. Right. Do you think and this is going to work? Well, it, 
I, I think it has potential because they, they've done it with um, X-Men and uh, Star Trek. I know they've done it with Next Gen uh, in a comic book and a novel series, um, but I'm not sure about uh, original series if they've ever done anything like that with the original before. I don't know. That seems kind of far-fetched. It was... Well, I, I read the novel when they had the X-Men in there, and, I, and it, it was a pretty good novel. So it, it worked for you? Right. Okay. Well, you know, I'm hearing this. I just am a little bit kind of holding it really reserved about it. It doesn't mm-hmm. really doesn't seem to work for me just off the bat, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But you you have to read it, Miles. You have to let us know what you think of it. Okay. Yeah, I'll pick up the first comic book and uh, and, and give a review. Yep. Well, another story that came down the twist was Brent Spiner mangling well-known sci-fi facts. And it's called the what the, the WTF video of the day. <laughs> so here's the story. And I'll actually play – I'm going to embed the clip of this in into this podcast so you can hear kind of what he said. But here's the premise for it. A couple of guys caught up with Brent Spiner at a recent, at a recent con, a Texas con, to get his autograph on a piece of original art that depicted data wrestling with one of the aliens from Alien. And in the process got punked by a master. At least we hope they got punked because they didn't. We're suddenly very worried about Brett Spiner. Uh, Mike Fisher and Keith Carter of the successfully unsuccessful show tracked down Spiner at the Texas Comic Con. And when they presented the next generation star with the illustration of the two sci-fi icons, he professed not to recognize the alien, acted confused while trying to remember who Ridley Scott was, and claims Journey, Sigourney Weaver had starred in Black Hawk Down, all with a straight face. Watch a video below and check out what might have been Spiner's greatest performance ever. Please, dear God, let it be a performance. Today's, yeah, today's day, yeah. 
Sounds interesting. I, I watched this, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because he does it all deadpan. Yeah, he it's either going to be pure brilliance or pure insanity. I'm not sure what. I don't know because I, I follow him on Twitter, and he does. I mean, you can't get deadpan on Twitter, but he has this sense of humor that is just it's it's not it's not the oh I'm going to pull a joke in you. He kind of tells it and says it, and then. There's, but you know he's not serious, right? And I wonder, if, own, I, I wonder yeah. if this is more like that. Go ahead, Miles. No, I, I think you're right. I think he has his own brand of humor, which which works for him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I follow him on Twitter also. Um, I, I, I think he's probably just having, you know, he's just having fun punking somebody out. You can't be in sci-fi or even be in the sci-fi circuit and not knew who Ridley Scott is. I don't. Right. Think, I don't think. I think. I don't think it's possible. But. I don't know. Anyways, that's it for our uh, this week in Star Trek. Miles, thank you for sharing that story, and I guess we should move on, right? Let's keep going. All right. Well, before we get into our interview tonight, I want to play one more uh, promo, and this is a promo for the podcast Geek Out with Mainframe, another one of the contenders in the Parsec Awards in the category that we were nominated for as a finalist. So uh, here's the promo. Check out the show and let us know what you think. This is Richard Green, a.k.a. Mainframe, of the Geek Out with Mainframe podcast. That can be found at geekoutwithmainframe.com. With hundreds of geek interview podcasts, I have one of them. Interviews have included people such as Michael Plastid, Gerald Axelrod, P.C. Herring, J.R. Murdoch, Christiana Ellis, Mark the Encaffeinated One Killfoil, Paul E. Cooley, and Nathan Lowell with more to come in 2011. So come to geekoutwithmainframe.com where our geek flag always flies high. All right. Well, we are back, and we are here, Miles, to bring you an interview with uh, Zita Ganizada, who plays Rachel and Alphas. Wow, we just had a really good interview with her. We did. She, she's a she's a she's a lovely person, uh, as well as you know, just being beautiful herself. But just she's a lovely person, very fun to talk to. And um, I haven't seen the show yet, but I have recorded it, and uh, I'm going to try to get watch it soon because now it's got me me intrigued a lot more. Um. Yeah, it you know it, it's 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 been a pretty incredible ride. I know some people said there's some hero esque like qualities, but this is this show is different. These people have their abilities; they know they have them, and they're struggling with how to use them. It's not it's not so much oh I got this ability, what do I do with it? It's we're a part of a team; we know we have it. Now let's uh, let's try to work together. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit different of a premise, and I personally like it. If you aren't watching Alphas. Miles, what are you waiting for? Download the pilot. You can get it for free on iTunes. You can download it free off the Sci-Fi site. There's no reason you shouldn't be watching the show. So, 
Oh, but that's it. Let me go ahead and bring the interview, and you can hear from Rachel herself, uh, Azita Kanizada, as she talks about alphas. particularly the people I work with, alphas, extraordinary individuals who stretch the capabilities of the human mind. Some use their power to threaten the world, and some to save it. That's where we come in. DeRozan, he's there. Bill, you're spiking. The signal, it's back again. You have barely scratched the surface of what you are capable of. Keep trying her, I'm going in. <laughs> Smooth move. Again? Red flag has a plan. Murdering their enemies is their plan. We've got to stop this. Where's the boss? This man nearly had us all killed. It's essential that you help us. NSA says this isn't one of their usual suspects. If an alpha is causing these riots, you need to find him for it. This is how we deal with alphas. When things go wrong, we assassinate them. Tell me you know where she is. So the big guy's strong. John Wu guy's got aim. What do you do? Laser beams shoot right out of my eyes. Go, go, go! You have every reason to be afraid. I can smell the pheromone in the air. The FBI needs us to solve the case. Ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about this show before. It came on the air about a month ago. While we're delighted to tell you, we're talking with one of the actresses from this new hot show, Alphas, on the Sci-Fi Channel. This lovely lady has been seen on such shows as Veronica Mars, uh, Entourage, Psych, and Castle. We are talking with the beautiful and lovely Azita Ganazada. Mrs. Ganazada, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you guys for caring enough to talk to me. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited. Absolutely. Um, you know, you have an interesting journey uh, in your yeah. life. I mean, you, I mean, you come, you were born in Kabul, Afghanistan, and raised in Northern Virginia. Uh, talk about contrast. Yeah, <laughs> the most two polar opposite places in the the universe. You know, it was um, we were uh, we had friends at the Pentagon, and so they helped us come into the states and. Um, we were political refugees, and then we, we were granted asylum. Um, God bless Ronald Reagan. Right. Um, he, you know, we were coming out of a very particular situation. I, I was really young, um, and I, I definitely, they were very war, you know, very war-torn and devastated. And, you know, you would see, you know, as our family members would come over, and my mom kind of got everybody out of the refugee camps and, you just see these hysterical people coming and just, it was, they were so different. And then I would go to, you know, elementary school, preschool and whatnot. And it was just like, well, ring around the road. (laughs) 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 And, you know, everybody was blonde and they were so cute. And, you know, I, like I had a terrible bowl cut and my parents didn't know how to dress me. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like shocking. Like it was always like just trying to find a way to fit in. And, and I think, uh, 
part of my imagination came into play and, and, you know, part of what's shaped me into who I am now and, and all that stuff. But, you know, you definitely understand children are the smartest, you know, they, they pick up on things extremely quickly. And I think I, I knew that we were different. Um, I don't think I liked it. Um, I think, you know, when people, uh, you know, we, we, I went to Islamic school on Sundays, like a Sunday school, and, you know, one of the teachers got aggressive with me, and I stabbed him in the hand with a pencil. Oh, told him to go, oh my. Go screw, I was like, well, screw yourself. You know what I mean? I was very precocious. You know, I was also the kid that stood up in class when they would stop at my name, and I would say, Ghani Zada. But therefore, I won every award. I was like, I was just, I became a huge nerd. I became an overachiever at school in order to fit in and to excel and to understand. I just... I became so immersed in it, but, you know, I, 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 while they were, everybody was watching the news, I wanted to know what was going on in the movies, you know, mm. well, that no. was it. We, Go ahead. No. So r- rumor has it that you can, you know, that you didn't start out in acting, even though you had an interest in movies, you kind of were gearing toward a political career at one point, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's rumor. Yeah, I think that kind of got a little, I always wanted to be an actor. Like I, you know, we, I had, we had four channels on television. I learned English on it. And there was <laughs> one channel that played, played, I literally learned English, like uh, watching Joan Collins, like yell at people. Um, <laughs> but we had one channel and it was um, like a grainy, we didn't have cable, but there was a grainy channel. It was like UPN, what UPN is. And it would play Blazing Saddles over and over and over again. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And it made me understand what Mel Brooks was. And then Mel Brooks made me want to learn what Woody Allen was. And then Woody Allen made me go, well, what happened before him? So then I started to, like, get a little older and kind of want to learn about John Cassavetes. And then I was like, well, what happened in the 70s? Like, I only know about 80s, like, actors. And then that was really bad. (laughs) And so, (laughs) thank God I went back. (laughs) Thank God I went back and learned about, like, John Cassavetes and learned about, like, what Scorsese was doing and saw women like Jodie Foster and Ellen Burstyn and, and Cece Spacek and all these women be really gritty and raw and real. And what I understood to be real life was what I saw in the 70s. But what was happening on the, in like the 80s and 90s in TV was kind of glitzy and shoulder pads and sequins right. and like, you know, I didn't get that at all. So I wanted to watch that stuff. I wanted to learn about those things. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wanted to be where the movies were, but that, you just don't do that. You're a girl from Afghanistan, you're just not going to do that. Like, I couldn't play with boys um, after school. Hmm. Um, we couldn't do that stuff. You know, the, the young girl that was in Harry Potter, you heard the unfortunate, you know, circumstance. She was dating a boy who wasn't Muslim, and her parents, dad and brother beat the shit out of her, um, which is horrible, but that's the truth. Of, that's the reality of the situation. That's mm. how it is when they're intense and strict. They just, you know, you can't do those things. Mm. Um, so, and, you know, I also took a, I understood politics because it, it was our second language in Virginia, and I understood, you know, literature. It was my first first love, and I think if I set my mind to whatever, I'll be capable of accomplishing it. So, I definitely thought maybe I could do other things. I'd never seen a girl from Afghanistan on TV. You know, I never heard of it. I'd never seen really that many ethnic people on TV. So who did I think I was? Like, I didn't, I wasn't going to do that. That wasn't going to happen for me. Um, And I started working actually when I was 13, 14. I lied about my age so I could get a job. Um, And so I worked my entire life and I was willing to do anything just in order to, um, you know, be on my own two feet. Hmm. 
Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a stubborn person. I'm not super glamorous. Like I'll work any job. I've had any job. You can imagine I've done it all. You name it. I've done it. Like <laughs> I don't, I just don't care. Like, you know, but at the end of the day, I was always going to be an actor. I gave my Emmy acceptance speech when I was 11 years old. on the oh, nice. board of my school. <laughs> Yeah. I was yeah. like, thank you so much. Like, I didn't know what the Emmys were. Like, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but, <laughs> wow. but I wanted it. Right. Right. So Miles, go ahead. Question three. Sure. So, so for our listeners who might not have tuned to Alphas yet, can you give us a premise for the show and, and what you believe makes the show unique? Well, the thing about, okay, well, why is the show unique? I mean, <laughs> I think the show, even though it's a sci-fi show, I think it, it deserves also a mainstream audience. Um, I think, uh, the thing that makes the show unique is that somewhere between being, you know, uh, an investigative thriller hunt of the week, there's characters that people are going to want to learn about and that we're kind of trying to give a little bit of an ebb and flow of each episode. I think you'll see, um, goes from, you know, introducing the main character. So the pilot was, you know, a little, you know, a little slower, a little longer, and then it kind of picks up in the hunt. And, you know, each week we go on the hunt. But there are a few episodes in the middle, I think, which you're going to see tonight. And in the next two episodes, they're going to be a little bit more calm and a little bit more um, character-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as it goes back into 7 through 11, I mean, it gets intense. Mm-hmm. I, I've broken out into heat rash three times. Wow. From sweating and running in the heat and chasing these these alphas and and it's just been it's been a lot. We've been in dirt. We've been people have been fighting. There's this thirty stunt guy. I mean, it's it's madness. Mm. And I think that that's one of the cool elements of the show is that they're really trying to create a film quality to you know this TV genre sci-fi. They're also trying to kind of root this superhero fantasy into reality. Mm. And they're trying to make these alphas really struggle with their abilities. You know, it's like, we're not Superman. And that might suck for some people. Some people might want to see us be, you know, Superman. They might want to see us really be Magneto. But we're not. We're humans that have these anomalies. And they suck sometimes. You know, we're constantly thrown in these life-threatening situations. And we're amateurs at this. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. You know, what and I think that... Go, go ahead. Oh, I was going no, no, to say, say that one of the things that I really have liked about it uh, is you're, you're, you're people that have superpowers, but you also have flaws. And and the, and the struggle between the superpower and the flaw that almost kind of counterbalance themselves um, is, is, is an interesting struggle to see. Well, I think what makes them great is what makes them weak. Right. Um, I mean, Rachel alone, and I think, you know, there's, they, they, you know, we, we slipped some episode, we flipped an episode order, which kind of, you know, tumbled some of the character arcs, but I think, you know, it'll catch back up, um, you know, as we go into four and through six, and then, you know, the next three weeks will be, you'll, you'll learn a little bit more about the characters, and you'll get a little bit more character play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seven through 11, you're just going to get, I mean, it's just going to mind, you're just, everybody's going to, like, mind explosions. Um, but I think, you know, even with Rachel, it's like her, you got somebody who is really cool. You know, she's a walking crime lab. She can do some really cool things, but, but she's made to feel like she's an idiot or that she's, she has a condition or that she's diseased because she can do these things. It's embarrassing, really, to the people closest in her life. And she's been considered an inconvenience. Mm. And I think we all know how that feels, to be considered an inconvenience in someone's life, especially in your family's life or your partner's life mm. or, 
you know, in your relationship, and, and that's so devastating to her. And so she's finally somewhere where she's not considered inconvenient. She's considered an asset, and she's becoming a stronger and more powerful person because of it. And, and you see it's kind of peppered in there slowly, and, it, and it'll build. Um, but I think that's what makes it cool is that it's not just, hey, Rachel, go solve this crime. It's like, hey, Rachel, go solve this crime. I might vomit while I do it. Right. <laughs> it's disgusting, <laughs> and nobody wants to smell sewer, but I have to. <laughs> right, right, right. How, how close are you to the character of Rachel? We're very different. I mean, I think Ira Bear has said in interviews that I'm the antithesis of Rachel, um, and he's pretty right. <laughs> um, I am, I walk in a room giving out hugs, you know, I just, yeah, I, I'm just a warm, outgoing, aggressive, I mean, I'm uh, violent, I'm, <laughs> I'm intense, I am outspoken, and Rachel is not those things, <laughs> not, especially not now. Right. Um, I'm also, you know, uh, I'm very confident and She's not, I, I just, I couldn't be more different than Rachel, oh, okay. but that's what I love. I love that I'm not the obvious, you know, sexy girl. I love that she gets to be someone who's struggling <clears throat> with those things. I love it so much. It's, it's a, it's an actress's dream that you don't get stereotyped into something like that. You yeah. know, you get to play something different and then, you know, cause I think if you guys have seen the castle or if you've seen the entourage or you've seen any of that stuff, I'm usually the girl that like you know, gags you in the mouth and punches you in the face and then has sex with you. So it's like, <laughs> Rachel's very different. She's not going to do any of that. She can't even kiss a boy without freaking out. Right. Um, so she, it's, she would it's smell genius. It. She, I mean, yeah. yeah, of course. Well, no, I mean, what you guys will see in one of the upcoming episodes, she has a kiss. She has a first kiss, and it's really intense. Okay. Very, very cool. Um, Miles, next question. Um... So you told us a little bit about your character and uh, her. Um, tell us about her abilities, and would that be a power you'd like to have? Um, yeah, I think I think Rachel's got the strongest. I mean, I think you know Gary Bell also has a really strong um, investigative power, and I think Rachel has one of the strongest investigative powers. Um, she can really track things and find things and, and that makes her an asset to the team where, you know, the rest of them have these kind of more in the field powers, like, you know, where they can deal with all this aggressive crap that comes our way. Um, do I, do what I want it? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to be able to super see or super hear or be able to have something that's really an alpha ability. Um, yeah. I think anybody would. I think we all would. You know, I think you can't pick and choose, just like you can't pick and choose who your parents are. You can't pick and choose your power, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> you can't, like, can't be. So I think it's, I, I think she's got the coolest power in discovery. Yeah. Um, she's constantly discovering. Yeah. And I think that that makes it really interesting as a character um, power to find that stuff. You know, if I had, I think it would be cool if I had superpower, like super strength. You know, if Rachel right. just all of a sudden goes batshit crazy and beats the shit out of people, <laughs> like that would be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But alas, I'm just a little girl. But but you do 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 you do a lot of your own stunts in the show then? Or do you have a stunt double? Yeah, I think there's you know they definitely I, we've all you know I, I took a punch to the face yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> By accident. Um, 
you know, out of just, you know, kind of needing to be protected. You know, we had the tremendous, the terrific, talented Brent Spiner in. And, you know, he scared the shit out of me in one of the scenes. And by accident, during it, I got punched in the face. And I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? Like, this is, it's a little too close to reality this time. Because <laughs> they're really, they're really working us. Um, but, uh, you know, now this, our stunt guys are so cool and they're so good at what they do. I mean, the Hicks character, Stefan, his stunt guy, parkours off of walls. He legitimately, I mean, it, we'll see what, in my video blog, I've been video blogging some of the stunt stuff. I saw um, cause that. Because yeah, that's, yes, that's so cool to me. So hopefully they'll be putting that stuff out because I, I just hand it off to Sci-Fi. I mean, the guy, like a Spider-Man, he like climbs up and down walls. I'm like, what is up with that guy? Like, he's so cool. So he taught me some cool little moves, but we'll see if Rachel gets to throw a punch. Laura Manal and I, who plays Nina on the show, we want guns. Like, you know, now we're getting, you know, we're getting towards the end of the season and we're like, when do we get guns? Like, <laughs> when do we get to start fighting back? Like, right. we, you know, we want to, we want to be, we want to go into tactical training. I want to learn how to, Rachel wants to learn how to shoot somebody. I mean, no, not really, but you know, to protect right. herself. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> what's it? What's it like working on the set with the rest of the cast and directors? Um, <laughs> we no, our cast and directors. We are so different. Mm. We're like a gang of misfits. You couldn't have casted more different group of people, and I think that's what works in the show. Mm. Um, I think that's why it's so weird and we're so odd. How much do we love ourselves? We we are so in love with each other. It's painful. <laughs> we are constantly laughing. Um, you can't not start crying laughing when Ryan Cartwright's in the room. He is the funniest person alive. David Strathairn is so funny and sweet. He's like a, a he's like a walking ball of love. Um, Laura is a sweetheart. Warren Christie is. He's like he's like Harrison Ford. I mean, he's just got these like hysterical one-liners. Mm. Malik is so generous, and he's such like an actor's actor. I mean, I'm probably the high-strung hysterical one that they all laugh at. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other day, I was like, we were working so many hours. It's like it's crazy. You think it's? Cla- I mean, I, we'll, there was one day where Laura and I, I think, we got picked up at. 6.30 a.m. We got dropped off at 5 a.m. the next day. I oh think Laura gosh. and I were, we were like hysterical for like four days and people were like, what's wrong with you two? And I was like, do you think we want to be this way? Like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month it is. Just shoot the show. Like, um, Are you still in production? You were still in production. We yeah. were just shooting the last two and, uh, and it's been, I got to tell you the last, the last four episodes that, you know, that you guys will see have been crazy. It's right. just like, I'm like, what? I don't know if you guys saw last week's episode. Dude, what happened to Callum? <laughs> Renny. Oh my God, and I love Callum. <laughs> um, Callum got the shit beaten out of him. Uh, I saw that. You know, I mean, I, you, you gotta understand on the day, I was like, Callum, Callum's like, what's up with this, Azita? What's happening? And I was like, Callum, we needed more women. And he, and we were just like laughing because, you know, I mean, what a way to go. Right. Um, and he's like the coolest guy ever, but you know, we've had Mahershala Hash Ali there. Um, and talk about a 
genius actor. I mean, he, I don't know if you guys know him from the 4400. I mean, he's off to go do a movie right now with Ryan Gosling and, right. and Eva Mendez and, and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I mean, he was in The Curious Case of Benjamin. I mean, what an actor. Our guest cast has been ridiculous. I mean, and, and David Strathairn's going off to do Lincoln with, like, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and Sally mm-hmm. Field. It's like I apologize to him on a daily basis. I'm so sorry you have to be here with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is to go to Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, and we've had Summer Glau here and Becca Mater and, you know, everybody. Every, we've been... It's really been an embarrassment of the riches with our guest cast. We've been really <laughs> lucky, and people and Garrett Dillahant's coming up in a few episodes. That's a great episode. You know, the, he that he's genius on Deadwood. It's almost it's almost silly how lucky we've been to get some of the people mm. that have come on board. Just a few more questions here, without spoiling too much. You mentioned I was going to ask you about Summer Glau because you know we're a huge fans of her from the sci-fi world of things. Um, but, of course. Um, did you get a chance to work with her, or is she not there? Did you? Is she still shooting? Oh, I did work. No, did I? Did I work with Summer? Yeah, I did work with Summer, and I adore her. And she's a terrific actress, and she's the nicest person on the planet. Um, she's really good at what she does. She has opinions. She's smart. She's sweet. She's extremely talented, um, and she's gorgeous. And she's a girl's girl, and I love that. And I mean, I, if she could be there all the time, I would be thrilled to bits and pieces. Right. What What? Um, what do we as uh, viewers have? To, can you tell us anything about what's coming up as far as the storyline other than the few bits you've told us so far? Well, I think what's going to happen is, you know, the next few episodes is going to kind of build a little bit on the actual alphas. You're going to kind of get to learn a little bit more about the characters. <laughs> Um, and their personal back struggles and why they are there. And, and you're going to see a little bit of their home lives. And it might be a little different than, you know, what you guys saw last week, which was like just an intense riot facing a bad alpha. And I think it's important to kind of give the audience a little taste of who these alphas are and let them connect a little bit more to them if they want to connect to them. Um, and then it's going to kind of pick back up and you're going to kind of see all of this this Binghamton and this red flag, you know, the things that you've been hearing throughout the season really come to a head. Um, and you guys are going to have to go on this little bit of a journey with us and kind of explore and discover what, what the, on earth we're talking about, what is Binghamton and what is red flag. And you might really get to see a lot of the, the high ups of those two uh, very important pieces of the mythology in the office. So I think that you guys, are, I, I think I, I, it'll be given to you, and, and I think, uh, I hope the audience will be pleased with uh, kind of learning about it. Well, I know I've, I've been enjoying it, and I can't wait to see tonight's episode and the upcoming episodes as you film. Any word on season two, or is it a bit early yet? A bit early yet. Um, I know that our executives at Sci-Fi have been nothing but glorious and generous with us, which is, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's rare, um, but they've been so sweet and supportive of the show and we couldn't ask for, you know, any, anybody, we've been on a tough schedule, I'll say that much, but as far as our executives go, uh, talk about creative people that have really been on board with the writers and, um, you know, really kind of have our backs, which is really refreshing. You know, we have a couple of people that come into Toronto quite often, and we couldn't ask for greater people to come on set and be there and be a part of the team and really be a part of the creative team. So hopefully, you know, 
they're enjoying it as much as we are, and uh, and we'll come back and be able to tell more of the story, as, you know, next uh, next summer. Hopefully, there will be more alphas to come. Yeah, we we hope so too. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Really appreciate it. Of course, you guys have a wonderful day. Happy Monday. Yeah, you too. You too. It's Alpha's Day. Happy Alpha's Day. Yeah, tonight's <laughs> give up episode, Rosetta. You'll uh, it'll be a lot of um, a lot of Gary Bell. Oh, uh, good. I love Gary Bell. Yeah, it's not a. It's a lot of Gary Bell tonight. Tonight's a lot of Gary uh, Gary Bell. So, uh, I think the Gary Bell fans will be really stoked for tonight's episode. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Before we jet out of here, we have a Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And just to say up front, if you've never submitted your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, you can write them in. We'll share them. We have some more from J.P. Harvey that are on their way because he sent us like a gazillion of them. But you can send them an audio clip, attach them to uh, an email, sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can call in at 1-888-508-4343 and let us know your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And, uh, you know, an MP3 is fine, or you're just writing them out, and we'll share them. We love to do that sort of thing, don't we, Miles? Oh, we definitely want you, our listeners, feedback. Uh, you, you have definitely contributed to the show, so uh, please continue to do so. Yep. So anyways, Wayne and Dan from Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan sending their, their, their sci-fi five and five, and I'm just going to play it, and then we'll talk about it uh, after the fact. All right? Cool. And we're back. Wayne and Dan here from the Fringe Casting Podcast. And Dan, I got a question for you. Why is it exactly that we are here interrupting the quite brilliant Sci-Fi Diner podcast that you can find at SciFiDinerPodcast.com? What are we doing? This table's a mess. Do they ever, like, feed us here? We're, we're waiting. <laughs> we're at the Sci-Fi Diner at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Wayne, we're here to do the top five at five. While we're not getting fed, we'll at least give back what's a little bit of uh, our menu of our top five. Um, Scott Herzog, he does a lot of us for us uh, on the on the Fringe Casting Show. Mm. So we want to give him a little bit of top five at five. So, our top five of five is the things to look forward to for season four of Fringe. You know, we're very Fringe related. So to have season four, what it all means, coming in at number five, where is Peter Bishop? When we last left off, Peter has gone missing. He he used a device from the early humans, which seems to be connected from Walter, and Peter's missing. And not only is he missing, no one even remember he existed, Wayne. Peter's gone. It seems a little bit more ominous, and I kind of like it. That's what I would predict that uh, Scott would say about that. I know, and a lot of people would place this question, where is Peter Bishop, at number one, but we're a little askew. So, you know, that is a good question. The observers, like we talked about on the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, the observers say he never existed, but obviously we know he's coming back, probably by episode three or four, you think? Yeah. Season four, what we're looking forward to. And, in fact, there's already a promotional poster out. I saw it on the interwebs that includes Peter Bishop in with the rest of the gang. So, 
he never existed, but somehow they're going to make him un never existed. <laughs> what about number four? Yeah, number four. Uh, number four in the sci-fi diners top five at five. Speaking of missing, you know, I'm going to ask, where is Agent Jessup, Dan? We, we last saw Jessup. It was a highly classified mission. She was digging through these mysterious connections, tying the Bible in with some fringe events, yada, yada, yada. Fringe says they're bringing in new characters for season four. Where is Agent Jessup? Have they been listening? Is she going to appear? We don't know. Season four. <laughs> Coming in at number three out of the top five of five, what happened with the universes? Uh, when we last left off of season three going and waiting for season four, would there be two universes? The universes came together. They did it. They mixed it at the end. You know, Peter did his uh, connection with the machine, and it melded the universes. So what? Do we have one universe now? Do we have more universes? Has Peter succeeded in fixing the universe problem? Oh, we can't wait for season four. Those are definite questions that we need answers for because I've heard all sorts of rumblings and people, you know, you know, proposing theories. Maybe the two universes have melded into one, but I'm not so sure because that spot where we've got, you know, Walter and Walternet and all of them, it's kind of a room that's connected to the two universes. But like you said, what if there's a third universe? It, they could do almost anything on this show at this point, right? Right. And speaking of, you know, Walter and Walternet, coming in at number two on the top five of five for the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, two lives. They are together now and for the time being not trying to kill each other. There's not only two lives, we've got two Walters, uh, two Astrids, practically two of everything as the universes have come together. What do you think that's going to bring to Fringe this year? Hilarious hijinks, more <laughs> catfights, or... Minds coming together. Two Walters stronger than one Walter. Oh, my. <laughs> the alter major milestone Walter. I don't know, man. Well, you know, when this whole universe thing happened at the end of uh, season three and Peter was in the machine, you know, it, the way that he has, quote unquote, never existed, it kind of reminds me. If she is allowed to infiltrate this world, then George Costanza, as you know him, ceases to exist. So I'm wondering, did George Costanza get into some sort of machine? And that's what kind of taught Peter what to do. You know, a lot of Fringe is, you know, kind of based on uh, some bizarro world on Seinfeld, right? We always make that connection on our uh, little podcast we I, got. I think we're the only ones that do, Dan. Seinfeld <laughs> but, rules. But the, the things with two of everything, when we last saw Walter and Walternet in that same room, you know their brains were spinning at a mile a minute Reminds me of some classic science fiction from way back in the day, the 50s to be exact. You're traveling through a parallel universe, a universe of alternate realities set on a collision course with our own. A journey into the mind of Walter Bishop, whose boundaries are that of the imagination. And who is that speaking up ahead? Stop the fringe quote of the week. Yeah, coming in at number one, it's the Sci Fi Diner podcast. Yeah, who would have thought? Herzog himself. If we didn't have a season four of Fringe, how could we have the fringe quote of the week from Scott Herzog? Exactly. We, we think of him exclusively as our ours, ours, our own, you know, Miles. Maybe he thinks he's got him too, but 
we like him just as much. Without a fringe season, there couldn't be Scott Herzog in the French Quarter of the Week. Um, we play him when he gets him to us. We are proud to play him. Uh, that last one was uh, a little discussion we had. I was saying that uh, Scott was sounding a little bit like a ride a lot. What does he do the next week? He hits me with a, a little tangent of uh, using a different kind of intro from, this, from the Twada Zone. I love that. It was all good stuff. And Miles, we hope you're listening. <laughs> we thank you so much for loaning Scott our way to send in the Fringe Quarter of the Weeks. We love getting those. We love talking about the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. It's a great show. Thank you so much for having us on the Top 5 at 5. We love those countdown shows. We kind of feel like Casey Kasem back in the day. Keep your uh, feet on the ground and keep uh, reaching for the stars or the Zeppelins or whatever they got in the alternate universe. So with that... Got a question for you. Until season four of Fringe gets here, which is getting closer by the minute, and until the next season of Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan, where can people find us? Well, we'll see you lost out on the Fringe. Thank you for your attention, and have a nice day. I just want to go back to before. I don't think you can. So that is their sci-fi five in five. Miles, what did you think of the sci-fi five in five? I thought it was a good one. All right. Uh, but I must take exception to saying we, we, we do not feed them at the diner. Uh, right, right. And, uh, I mean, we do an awful lot of cooking here. If they're not getting food, it's because they're not ordering from the diner is my opinion. Uh, I, I saw a sign. At, there's, a, there's a buffet not too far from here. It says in big letters, it's your fault. Right. If you leave, you're hungry. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're accusing us of feeding them the food that Walter Bishop eats. Well, I mean, how many uh, pop tarts or what raspberry milkshakes or strawberry licorice can you have? Right. Yeah that 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 gets um, you know personally. Bad after a while. Per- personally, I want to feed them some of what the observers eat, like with all that pepper and Tabasco sauce. Right. <laughs> I, I'm sure that Dan has a good recipe for that somewhere. Yeah. No, I, you know, I agree. Some of the things that I'm looking forward to besides the fringe quote of the week, which might get a little bit inter- interesting this year is I'm looking forward to see how the kind of resolve this whole two, what are they going to do with the whole two Walters, two Olivia's in one universe? I'm interested in the Peter thing. I think that's probably my number one. Right. I mean, uh, one, we know he's coming back. And as far as the observer saying, you know, Peter Bishop never existed, the word never is a relative term when it comes That's to... That's a bunch of bull in my opinion. You never say never in science fiction or, or anything time travel related. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, but like, like you, how, how are the all, you know, how, how is the Olivia is going to be able to work together? How are the Walters going to be able to work together? Uh, I mean, both of them are very, polarizing to each other so it's um i mean the walters sort of hate each other the the olivia's probably definitely hate each other you know so this could be fun yeah i think you can have a lot i can i think you can have a lot of uh fun with this so no that was a that was, that was a great uh five at five no i agree i agree and uh thanks wayne and dan for sharing us sharing with us your sci-fi five and five and what you're looking forward to fringe and hey Miles, I think the thing that I'm just looking forward to regarding Fringe is the beginning of the season. I just want to see Fringe back in the air. 
Yeah, me too. I can't yeah. wait. So uh, what is it? The 29th, 27th? I forget the date anymore, but September 23rd, that, that week, somewhere in that week, those seven days, Fringe will be premiering. And uh, we look forward to talking more about Fringe, our listener feedback episode, mm-hmm. which I believe we have to go record, Miles. So we should wrap up the show. Okay. Well, until uh, next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you. 